2: Plus. Monday, December the 14th. Monday,
0: December the 14th, the electors actually meet in their respective states and they cast their votes. That vote constitutionally determines who the next president. Is. AP News, I'm Jackie Quinn. A federal appeals court in Philadelphia has rejected President Trump's latest legal challenge to the election results. More from our Tim McGuire. The panel, all Republican appointees, including one by Trump, ruling the campaign's
1: claims have no merit. Trump appointee Judge Stefano's Bebas writing, calling an election unfair does not make it so. Charges require specific allegations
0: and then proof we have neither here. If Trump appeals, this case could go to the U.S. Supreme Court. A central California House seat has flipped back to the GOP. Former Congressman David Valadeo unseated Democrat T.J. Cox, who beat him two years ago. The family of one of the Sitco oil executives convicted and ordered to prison in Venezuela is appealing directly to President Nicolas Maduro for mercy. Jose Pereira's family says that he has medical problems and he needs care. More from our Jennifer King. A brother to two of the men said they're victims of judicial terrorism. The so-called Sitco 6 are employees of a Houston-based company. It's owned by Venezuela's state oil company. Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller paid a visit today to U.S. troops in Somalia. His visit comes amid expectations. President Trump will soon order a troop withdrawal from the Horn of Africa nation. After Miller's departure, seven people were killed in a suicide bombing at an ice cream shop. In Somalia's capital. More than 264,000 Americans have died of COVID-19, according to Johns Hopkins University, but health officials note there will be a lag in the numbers of positive tests this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. The Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore Ravens game that was supposed to be held yesterday is again postponed, now to Tuesday night. First, the Ravens had COVID-infected players, now the Steelers have put three on their reserve COVID list. Stocks were higher today. This is AP News.
2: KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. the
4: Yardhouse Restaurant takes this special time to salute the Temecula men and women in uniform who've answered the call for our freedoms. Let's give them the hero's welcome they deserve as they fought hard to restore peace around the world. American troops are our angels of protection, so stand up and salute them proudly. That's from Yardhouse Restaurant. So for lunch and dinner, take the family to Yardhouse Restaurant at 40770 Winchester Road. They have so many mouth-watering dishes, you'll find it hard to make up your mind. Call 951-296-3116. 951 a to Z Bus Sales Incorporated remind everyone that one of the keys to locating missing children is getting current information into the hands of the proper authorities. Keep recent photos and always remember what they are wearing. Have your child fingerprinted at an early age because kids change but fingerprints don't. This reminder from a to Z Bus Sales Incorporated. Locally owned and operated and proudly serving our community for over 40 years. Give them a call today, 800-437-5522. That's a to Z Bus Sales Incorporated on the air because they care. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded.
1: And now, it's For the People with Judge Herb Dodell.
5: I'm Gary Garber. It's For the People with Judge Herb Dodell. And the judge is at home. Happy Thanksgiving week, Judge.
6: Oh yeah, it's a great Football game on this week on Thanksgiving, the Steelers and the Ravens.
5: Oh yeah, that'll be great. You're cool. a
6: football fan, you gotta love that game. Although two of the Ravens are out, two of the some of their major players are now inactive because of the COVID virus. So <laughs> it's still a great game, and looking forward to the smaller turkey this year. We're getting a smaller turkey. Yeah, that's what I was told this morning. My wife went out shopping. Said. We're getting a smaller turkey because we're having less than ten people. So, anyway, uh, we've got an interesting show today. You know what? Things are happening in the world so dramatically and so fast and so importantly that it's good to have somebody who's uh, an expert on what's going on out there to tell us on a more objective basis. You know, I, did I tell you I'm writing a new book? It's called *The Question of Balance*. No. That's what I'm. Yeah, but I am. I'm writing a new book. Cool. And it's really what we, what all of us really would like to know what's going on. And the biggest problem I think for all of us is, is excess. You know, too much of one and too little of another. Whenever you have that kind of out of balance situation, you have chaos. So what the Moody Blues did is they wrote a great song, and part of the, I think it's the name of the album too, called "A Question of Balance." You know, you know, uh, the fact that there is that uh, right now we are looking at the swinging pendulum. We don't know. So I have a very good guest uh, today. who is going to talk about uh, some of those things. And I also wanted to mention that with the difference between and cable stations like CNN and Fox and MSNBC is you get a slanted view from all of them. And I listen to all of them, by the way. Uh, If you want a left approach and you want to hear opinions that are going to be slanted to the left position, you watch CNN, Uh, to a lesser degree, MSNBC. Same thing. And on the other hand, if you listen to Fox, Fox News, you get an entirely different perspective and you're getting it from the right. And you can listen to some of the people who are commentary commentators on those shows. And you don't get a, a legitimate, straight, down-the-middle kind of uh, opinion. We don't give you really opinions on the show, as you know. What we do is we try to give you enough facts for you, the audience, to make your own decisions based on what information you get. From us, you're going to get the truth. We're not going to spin it any way. We may tell you what people are saying about it. But you're going to get it straight down the middle, and it's like Fox used to announce uh, on its shows: uh, "It was fair and balanced." Well, we are fair and balanced. So we're going to talk about the status today. The status is going on right now. There's several very, very important things other than the name naming of uh, cabinet members. It's been very interesting so far. Uh, a very interesting crowd of people. So we'll see. There will definitely be a difference in attitude. There definitely will be a difference in approaches. And I want to talk to our guest today about that. His name is James Altucker. And he has written, I think he wrote 22 books. He's an economist, hedge fund manager, a guy pretty familiar with what's going on in the world. And he wrote a very interesting piece not too long ago called New York City is Dying. We had him as a guest on our show about I guess about six weeks ago or so. And I was impressed with his knowledge. In fact, I played the show over again. and made notes of what he predicted and what he was saying was happening in New York and what he expected to happen in New York. And he's pretty much spot on. Almost everything that he said made real sense, real sense to me. So I decided, why take a chance with a stranger when I know I got somebody who's really quality to give us uh, some real good information and some insight from an objective, uh, nonpartisan basis. So uh, James Allen Tucker is going to be our guest today right after the break. And he's going to fill us in on things like the status of the uh, aid package, the vaccine, what we can expect to see in the oncoming period of time, and uh, let us get a perspective from somebody down the middle. How's that sound to you, Gary?
5: Uh, sounds good. <laughs> sounds okay. I mean, well, I
6: like—I I always wanted to make sure that the show is not just me talking.
5: So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, Judge. I'm thinking, I don't know what to what say. I don't want—I don't want to cut you off. You know what I mean? So uh, that's great. That's great.
6: No, but I like when you ask questions. It makes a big difference to the show. I don't really have any questions to ask you today. Uh, What? Well, you know, you asked some very great questions, some of the guests that we've had on here, and ended up, we had a great dialogue about it. Sometimes it got a little heated, but for the most part, you asked very intelligent questions, and the guests responded, which created a nice dialogue. Nothing worse than just sitting next to a radio or or screen Listening to somebody mumble on for 55 minutes so you're a major participant in our dialogue
5: so, well gee thanks judge
6: you know I, by the way <laughs> I, I feel i always no, i, I always believe that i always thought the show would not be anywhere where we were going from the beginning without your input so uh, thank you for that gary you're welcome and uh, the the reality is this could be a very interesting dialogue because nobody really knows what's going on. In fact, it's very interesting. I was taking my walk yesterday. I take a walk pretty much every day. And one of my neighbors was out and stopped me on the street where I was talking. And she it was a big, big, big-time Trump supporter. Oh. And she started rattling off all of this stuff about fraudulent election and post-dating and the machines didn't work. I went on and on and on. Oh. I said to myself... She, she bought the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is... Uh,
5: no, you know what?
6: From a legal standpoint.
5: The uh, the uh, General Services Administration uh, just announced that uh, that Trump has basically conceded the election and that they're going to move on and uh, start putting Biden in place and giving him all the uh, information that he needs. It just was announced. Should
6: have been, been done two
5: weeks ago. Of course it should have been but done. But see the weeks hand ago.
6: there. You can understand i'm just I,
5: saying it's over I, now it's finally over This it, does well, us yeah i said
6: to this said to this neighbor what is it that you that you really liked?" i'm a neutral right she said, asked me how i voted and everything i said i'm a real neutral i i take the facts as i think they can be established and using rules of what we call evidence i make a determination based on what's in front of me not rumors and she was just rattling off all the rumors and all the things that they were saying and i knew none of it had any merit because the machines were not crooked and they weren't they weren't destroying ballots and doing all these things it made no sense yeah but that's what a lot of people feel And i kept also saying to myself and it's really important in terms of our conversation today you know 73 million people voted for this president you can't ignore that Nope. That means they have an agenda and a desire and a wish to have certain things done. You got to pay attention. This is America. This is not one side versus the other. And you may not have to necessarily agree with some of the positions, but there's got to be room for what the magic word is: balance.
5: Well, I hope Biden puts and in so some we'll of these Republicans. I hope he puts some Republicans in his cabinet because it all seems like it's all. Left-wing people, you know. So I hope he brings in some uh, some uh, Republicans like a John Kasich and certain people like that. Because if he doesn't, then you know I'm going to be upset and disappointed too. I mean, I want I want I want to see the middle. I'm tired of this left or right, man. We need something in the middle. We need to get something done. Nothing has been getting done at all. It's ridiculous.
6: Well, you know, Janet Yellen has been named to be the Secretary of the Treasury. She used to be the head of the Federal Reserve. You can't talk about Anybody with higher credentials and qualifications than Janet Yellen, Janice Yellen or Janet Yellen, I'm not really sure. But, but she is she a
5: Republican or Democrat? White.
6: I don't think she's a po- political figure of okay. any kind. she kind. When you're in the Federal Reserve, you're generally not a political party. All right. Greenspan was there for 100 years, uh, and it was succeeded by a number of people. Uh, they get appointed, and have a contract that lasts for a certain period of time. So they're not under any dominion of, of any political party or person. Yeah. And that's a pretty—I think that's a pretty good choice. She's a very bright woman.
5: All right. Well, listen, we gotta she take a very, break. Very good. We gotta take a break. Your okay, guest is on we'll the talk phone. Okay. our guest. Let's okay. Get back. All right.
2: KCAA.
1: Herb Dodell is a lawyer and a judge for the people.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest
1: registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well,
1: having served as a superior court judge presiding over more than 9,000 cases, he has witnessed firsthand how complicated and corrupt the legal system can be. His goal is to show how things really work in the legal system so that people can navigate the legal system in the best way for them. Many people often feel marginalized by the legal system and are uninformed about how to proceed when unfortunate circumstances arise in their life. Judge Herb will pull back the curtain, lift the veil, so people can truly understand their rights, have access to top legal personnel that they can trust, and have knowledge about how things work so they can make better choices. Judge Herb isn't just knowledgeable. His integrity and spiritual values are truly what make him different. He cares about democratizing access and information for all and desires to turn on the light so the people, you, can benefit. For more information, email the judge at askjudgeherb@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's askjudgeherb at gmail.com.
5: people judge herb dodell but it looks like we lost the judge um his, his guest is here though <laughs> hello is this gustin james is this james Al-Tucker? Yes,
6: tucker sure.
5: okay well the judge is not here so um <laughs> i don't really want know me, what to do want to run, a sh- want yeah. me to run a show? yeah go ahead and run a show go ahead and talk about it so so what do you what you are an economist or what go ahead and talk about what you you do and then we'll, we'll try to get the judge okay
3: all right, tell me when to start. Start
5: right now. We're live.
3: <laughs> hey, we're live on Judge Odell's show, but this is James Altucher. Where the judge is going to be a little bit late, and so many things happening: coronavirus, elections, BLM, Senate races in Georgia. We don't know who's going to take control of Congress. We don't know who's going to be Secretary of State and Secretary of Treasury. We don't know what's going to happen to the economy. Are you talking to me? Trying to run a radio show here. So, should I see, keep on doing the show?
5: Yeah, he's calling. He's calling in right now. He, we lost him. I just, I just called him. So just, he'll, he should be calling in in about a, a thirty seconds. Let's hope. I right. don't know. We ne- you never know. <laughs> it's live radio, man.
3: <laughs> well, so you said, you the, said New York was
5: going to die. Is New York dead? I don't think New York's dead, so, is so it?
3: Here, here's the thing. In, on January 1st, one in four New Yorkers have not paid rent since March. $2 billion worth of rent is owed on January 1st. It's not getting paid, right? So meanwhile, tourism revenues are down, sales taxes are down, property taxes are down, income taxes are down. More vacancies are happening in New York right now than ever before. 1,000 people a week. I'm moving from New York City to Florida. Okay, I think we got the
5: judge. Hold on, hold on. Judge, are you there? I'm back. Okay, the judge is back. Go ahead, James. You and and the judge talk, and I'm going to go have a beer. All right?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, James. I want to welcome you back. You were so good the last time when I went through the list of people I wanted to have on the show to talk about today's subject matters. I thought of you, and I said, this is the right guy to give a call. So thanks for... uh, to be on the show again. And well, thanks I, for having
3: I me on me. the show, Judge. I appreciate it.
6: Well, I was mentioning to Gary before that uh, I replayed the show you were on, and you were spot on with a lot of the things that you were saying. It was so convincing to me. I said, I've got to have this guy come back. So you're back. And,
3: and the thi- the thing is, on
6: all of the issues that I've been worried about,
3: they've actually gotten worse since our call. And it seems like the major Tier 1 cities are in denial about what's happening, which isn't necessarily bad news for the country because you're seeing a flight of talent and capital out of the cities, out of those first-tier cities into second-tier cities. But I'd be worried what's happening to New York, San Francisco, and L.A. right now. It's not, it's not a good situation. And meanwhile, you know we'll see what happens with uh, administration change. But the, the economy is doing better than the first-tier cities. Let's put it that way.
6: Well, I wanted to kind of introduce you to people who didn't hear the show you were on recently. Uh, I want to talk about economy, and I know that you're an expert on economic issues. And I was also going to, I am going to ask you a question that I've been wanting to ask somebody for a long time, but never felt comfortable enough to ask. And that is, what is a hedge fund? I know you are a what? major player in hedge funds, so tell us what is a hedge fund.
3: Yeah. So a hedge fund is you invest, uh, the, the customers of a hedge fund invest with the fund manager, just like you would with a mutual fund. But this time, the hedge fund manager, he gets to keep 20% of the profits of every dollar he makes. So if a hedge fund has $100 million and in a year it returns $10 million in profit, the hedge fund manager puts $2 million in his pocket, 20% of the profits generated is the normal fee. So, Warren Buffett, for instance, in the early 60s, late 50s, he made his first million dollars having a hedge fund. He invested other people's money and he always kept at least 20% of the profits. But then he switched to insurance companies because it's a much better business model. People give you money and you get to keep 100% of the profits that you invest. And nobody ever wants their money back in an insurance company. In a hedge fund, everyone gets their money back eventually. But in an insurance company, customers don't want their money back because it means you're sick or in a catastrophe
6: or something like that.
3: So Warren Buffett found a better business model than than hedge funds, although hedge funds
6: are a pretty good business model too. So So I guess you just need customers to invest money.
3: Yeah, and the hedge funds are not regulated, so you can invest in anything you want. Like I could just go to Las Vegas and gamble if I wanted to. If people give you money, you can invest it in stocks, in uh, private companies like a venture capitalist. You could invest it in all sorts of weird securities and derivatives. This is why the financial crisis happened, is everyone started investing in subprime mortgage derivatives, and that all crashed. So the entire hedge fund industry uh, got hit hard. But. In general, hedge funds now are are not as much the Wild West as they used to be, but it is a good business model because you keep a percentage of the profits that you make. That's really the only difference. In a mutual fund, you don't get to keep those profits. You just take a a standard fee. But with a hedge fund, you take a fee and you take a percentage of the profits. By the way, I think almost all hedge funds are scams, and most hedge fund managers belong in jail, and... If I was listening to this, I'm telling you don't ever invest in a hedge fund.
6: How you Cuz it's just it's just too appetite. unregulated. You whip my, app- my appetite. Uh, <laughs> are there a lot of hedge funds that are still out there?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, but hedge funds have become more institutionalized, meaning you have hedge funds now that have over 100 billion dollars under management that never used to happen before. Now those are like almost like banks. And hedge funds do all sorts of, you know, they do private lending. They do all sorts of deals that a normal bank would not do. So hedge funds have their role. But there's just too many ways for hedge fund managers to put money in their pocket without their customers being aware. And so I think the business model itself is a corrupt business model.
6: How do they get to keep put money in their pocket without people knowing it?
3: Well, for instance,
6: um, you could charge all sorts of
3: extra fees, or here, here's a typical example. You could, um, oftentimes, executives, like CEOs of companies, they want to sell their shares, but they have so many shares, they might not be able to sell them on the open market. So they sell them to a hedge fund at a discount to where a stock is trading. So if a stock is trading at 10 and I have millions of shares because I'm the CEO, maybe I'll sell to a hedge fund for 7 and so the hedge fund could buy it at seven and, th- and right then the stock's at 10 so they make like uh, whatever that is. It's almost a 50% profit in one second as soon as the CEO sells them shares and they take a fee on that 50% gain even though they haven't sold the shares yet. So there's, there's things like that that are happening all the time where executives work with hedge funds in order to cash out without the public knowing it. And there's lots of Lots of slimy things that happen in in the world of big business and hedge funds when, when the two meet.
6: Are they regulated in any way?
3: They're not regulated in any way at all. In fact, there's a there after Bernie Madoff, who who by the way, so I visited one day. I visited Bernie Madoff when he was still running his uh, hedge fund, and no one knew he was a scam. And so, I asked him to invest money with my hedge fund, and he said, "Look." I'll offer you a job here anytime you want. Uh, James, I like you. You could come in. You could, you could take a job here. But I can't give you money to your hedge fund because I don't know where you're investing your money. And the last thing we need here at Bernard Madoff Securities is to see our name on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> so Bernie Madoff was very concerned about his reputation and so, didn't, and so declined investing in me.
5: That's funny.
6: If you wanted to <laughs> develop a business, you just go out and ask people to give you money and you're a hedge fund all of a sudden.
3: Yeah, anybody could start a hedge fund which is the source of many scandals. Uh, you know, and also sometimes hedge funds will do uh, a hedge fund manager will do a deal with a company. You know, there's 8,000 public companies out there and we only read about Apple and Microsoft and Tesla. But there's, there's lots of small public companies. So a hedge fund will often go to a CEO and say, hey, we'll, you need money. We'll lend you money, but we need like a good deal. And the hedge fund manager will say, but I also want an extra fee to put in my pocket that you give me. And so that's, that's another way that hedge funds take extra money without necessarily telling their customers or letting anyone know. So there's all sorts of, of deals out there that, that hedge funds do that are not so healthy. And again, there's a lot of um there's a lot of these mini madoffs that they're not quite the size of Bernie Madoff, but the SEC is not as aggressive about uh tracking them down and putting them out of business.
6: So they're getting away with
3: it. A lot of I, I used to invest in about a dozen hedge funds. I used to run a, a fund of hedge funds and where I people gave me money and I invested in hedge funds. And I would say at least half of them I ended up getting out just in time before they. Uh, I didn't know they were, you know, doing all these sleazy things, and uh, I ended up pulling out my money just in time before a lot of them got in trouble.
5: Is John Donald, right Trump, before, the, is Donald Trump? Is in, in, involved in any of this stuff at all? The hedge fund business? No. Like, no. no. he's although, not that stupid.
3: Although, yeah, no. But, you know, there was, there was one thing I remember a, a few months ago, or actually about a year ago, a hedge fund manager came to me and said, you know, I'm seeing something very weird happening in the market. Every time Donald Trump tweets something on a Friday, the, you know, the market might collapse. He might say, he might tweet something, the trade negotiations with China aren't going well, so the market collapses. And then Sunday morning, at three in the morning, my friend, the hedge fund manager, was, would see a lot of buying in the overnight markets like at 3 in the morning. And then 6 a.m., 7 a.m., Donald Trump might tweet, oh, the, the negotiations with China are doing pretty well. And suddenly the, <laughs> the overnight market goes up a lot. I love and, it. And, and my friend who's been, my friend's been in the business for 30 years, and he said, I've never seen anything like this uh, before, where it's almost like clockwork. Someone is buying about five hours before Trump tweets good news. Oh. And so is Trump involved in anything? Is Jared Kushner involved? Who knows? There was no proof of anything. Just my friend, who's, who's an expert, you know, he's been a hedge fund manager for 30 years, he, says he, he said the only time he's ever seen this was on September 10th, 2001. Because on September 10th, 2001, there were people who knew what was going to happen, and somebody was betting that the market was going to fall, you know, 1,000 points in, within the next few days. And so nobody could figure out who, why would anyone bet on that, and then, of course, 9-11 happened. And so my friend says the last time he saw something like this was September 10th,
6: 2001. Wow. somebody knew it was going to be a
3: 9/11. Yeah, well, a lot of people from the Middle East probably knew. Uh, people were shorting the airlines, meaning they were betting against the airlines. Like someone was massively shorting American Airlines. Wow. And in general, they were they were shorting the the overall market. And and. It could never be traced. Like these things go through brokers and brokers and brokers. It was never traced, as far as as far as I know.
1: That's
5: wild. That really is wild.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, stuff like that.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky
0: in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do.
4: In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
0: Really? Yes.
2: Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: It's it's harder and harder to do the more electronic things get, but... Again, my friend uh, who's been in the hedge fund business for so long, he said he's never seen this except for that time. That, like clockwork. I mean, that hasn't happened during the pandemic, but this was right before the pandemic. (laughs) The pandemic's another story altogether.
6: (laughs) Well, You've written a number of books, haven't you, James?
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm on my 25th book.
6: Yeah, before you were on today, I mentioned uh, to the audience, I thought you had only written 22 books, 25 books. That's quite remarkable. uh, Uh, Well, it
3: depends on on the quality of the book.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that depends on who's buying it or if anybody's buying it. What's the recent group of books look like in terms of subject matters?
3: Yeah, so I have a book coming out in February called Skip the Line, and it's basically how so many people are switching Careers right now. I mean, they were five, you know, nobody should be loyal to a regular job anymore. 55 million people filed for unemployment insurance in the past six or seven months. So a lot of people are switching careers, they're switching their passions, they're switching the things they love to do. And my book tells how to learn and then get rise up in your field quickly enough so that if you change careers, you could end up in the top 1% very quickly, the top 1% of your field, of your new field. And my book shows how to skip the line, how to learn extremely fast and how to how to understand the field and make money in it extremely fast. Skip the line. I I go against skip the line and I I go against the traditional idea of the 10,000 hour rule. Like if you spend 10,000 hours uh, learning something, you'll be the best in the world. But I don't I don't like that rule because I'm too old. So I want to figure out faster ways to learn. So how do
5: you skip the line?
3: Well, one, one way to do it is to experiment. So I have something like I replaced the 10,000-hour rule with the 10,000-experiment rule. So the idea is whatever you're interested in, you learn more about it by doing small experiments. Experiments have very little downside, have huge upside, and you, you use experiments to learn things you don't know. So, for instance, let's say I wanted to learn stand-up comedy. So five or six years ago, I was trying to – be good at stand-up comedy. So one experiment I did was I did stand-up on a subway. So (laughs) it's a a good training against a hostile audience and (laughs) got me a chance to practice my one-liners. And so that was an experiment. Or another experiment, an experiment that I'm doing now, is I I didn't vote in this election that just occurred. And everybody said to me, well, you can't have a voice if you don't vote. I was vote-shamed and so i said well you know what i feel like i can have a voice if i want to and i was curious how hard is it to run for president so i did an experiment i went to fec.gov which is the federal elections Commission.gov, and within five minutes i officially filed uh to run for president in 2024 so it turned out to be an easy thing and so Part of this experiment is I'm encouraging other people to do what I did. We should have as many people as possible to, to run. running for president. <laughs> Just run.
5: How many votes do you need? People for how, many, how many signatures do you need to get on the ballot? I'm curious. Or well, to states. get on the ballot,
3: state by state, state you by don't need state. any signatures right. to run. Right. But to get, to get on the ballot state by state, you need, like, you know, every state's different, but right. a couple hundred thousand signatures in each state. <laughs> and... So, so, but, but uh, my thing is, why get any signatures? Just have a million people running and have everybody think for themselves on what their issues are instead of just, it's almost as if we, uh, we get a menu, and it's either the Democrat menu or the, or the Republican menu. You have to believe everything that the menu says. So, for instance, why is it the case that everyone who loved higher taxes hated hydroxychloroquine? Like, they have nothing to do with each other, but it's this amazing coincidence that all 75 million people who loved higher taxes also hated hydroxychloroquine and thought it was a bad medicine. So um, it's, it's too many people get polarized and just, without understanding the issues, just subscribe to the entire menu that's either blue or red. Right. And so I figured with the political system needs to change. We need to welcome multiple ideas instead of just two.
5: I agree Those with you. Of,
6: for, I was thinking about voting for Alfred E. Newman because he had no doubts, but uh, <laughs> he wasn't on the ballot. So yeah, you and you know, they, and even the, know, the the third works. parties got.
3: Sorry, the third parties got very few votes. Like the Libertarian Party only got about like one or one and a half percent of the votes, as opposed to three or four percent last election.
5: I didn't want to waste so, him this time.
6: What do you attribute that?
5: They didn't want to waste them. They they actually people took it serious. I know you know like I voted uh, in two thousand sixteen. I voted for my friend comedian Mike Marino. I wrote him in. <laughs> you know so I mean people didn't take it serious. Nobody wanted Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. People like me who are independent.
3: Well, well, well even right now, like is it out of three hundred million people, are the two best people on the planet to run this country, Joe Biden and Donald Trump? It's like we're choosing between. The Corleones and the Sopranos—like we can't figure out.
5: I think it's more like Laurel or Hardy. Like I think it's more like Laurel or Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit or Costello.
3: <laughs> yeah, like, why can't there be? Why can't there be more than two? Why? Why does it always have to be the the, the same two like eighty-year-old people? No offense, Judge, if you're eighty years old. I don't know. Um, but
6: actually, first I am, off, so it's okay.
3: Yeah. So, OK, if you're 80 years old, here's what I think. If, if Joe Biden gets in office or Joe Biden is, in office, is getting in office, Joe Biden gets there and he's whatever, 78 years old, 77 years old. He doesn't have to care if he makes a, a mistake. He could just say to himself, oh, well, I'm going to be dead in a few years anyway. So oh, I, guess, <laughs> I guess I guess that I didn't work I like out. <laughs> you're going to live forever. You're OK. You don't have the stress <laughs> of being president. And it's the stress unwise, of being president adds 20 years.
6: Write it in. Well, <laughs> what do you think? I was telling Gary before we got on the air today, I ran into a neighbor of mine, I was taking my walk yesterday, and she was a real, real 100% Trumpian. And she was telling about all of the things that were illegal and fraudulent and whatever. And she bought the Kool-Aid. Everything that, that, that they were saying, she bought into it. So for her, she's going to be very hostile to whatever... Incoming president does, because she feels that it was stolen from the person that she wanted to win the election. So, what do you think the effect of this election is going to have on the general population? You remember, it's pretty, even though it's six million votes different, still a lot of people voted uh, on on both sides. And they have an opinion and an agenda. What do you think is going to happen? Right,
3: more more people voted for Trump than any other candidate in history other than Joe Biden so it's very uh this is is an extremely polarizing election obviously I think you know there's a lot of people who started talking secession and it's very interesting because there's three electric grids in the United States eastern western and Texas Texas has its own electric grid there were some theories that maybe Texas would just say hey we don't need to be part of this we'll give you like some you know Fee every year, but we'll stay outside of the U.S. So there were some theories about secession, but I, I think what's happening is not a good trend in general. I don't think there's going to be a secession or a civil war or anything like that, but things are going to remain polarized. I mean, every year, more and more students get into student loan debt, and what happens then? The ones who don't get into debt, they start companies, they become successful, they're not burdened by their debt. The ones who do get into debt, they get into debt, then then they get married to other people with debt, then their children get into debt. And you see income inequality increasing, not because of people like Jeff Bezos, but because of all the debt that we're putting some percentage of the population. And 44 million people are in student loan debt, and debt is only getting bigger. Tuitions go up every year faster than inflation. Everybody's told, oh, you have to get a co- go to college to get a job which is just not true.
5: That's true. And
3: I I think I think that, that that generation by generation the income inequality is increasing and so that's where we're getting into situations like Bernie Sanders on one side, Donald Trump on the other side. I mean Bernie Sanders was really winning the Democratic nomination and they they pulled it out from under him and and gave it to Biden, but we're starting to see these extremes where and and nobody even knows what any of these people believe in. Like can you name even one Bernie Sanders issue? Like I, we just know that he's like a socialist, and, and but we don't, we don't, we don't really know what these people believe in. We don't uh, well, know what Universal healthcare,
5: for. universal healthcare for everyone, universal, universal for everyone. That's what yeah. we need.
3: Right, and like, and that right now, you look at what they're they're talking about. The main issue they've been talking about lately is student loan forgiveness. Well, again, that only helps. A certain percentage of society. It doesn't help the bottom percentages of society. So all these progressives uh, think that they're in office because you know to help people, but they end up just helping the the richest parts of society and ignoring the poorest parts of society. No one ever helps the people that they actually say they're going to help.
5: Wipe out, wipe out the uh, social, uh, wipe out the uh, uh, college uh, uh, debt. Wipe out all all college debt right now. I sound I sound like a Chinese. Yeah, like- uh- <laughs> Bernie Sanders, thank you.
3: <laughs> like, like imagine, imagine you you worked hard and uh, didn't go to college because you didn't want to take debt, and you know you, you're a plumber or a worker or you have some vocation, and then all of a sudden they go and pay off everyone's student loan debt. It's, just, it's a horrible thing.
5: Then you'd be and pissed off I'm at that, saying, right? You'd be pissed off at it. Yeah, be, you know,
3: I I so, agree. So again, but they're not they're not taking any policies which will actually help. People who are b- living below the poverty line or people who are, who are hungry, people yeah. who are, you know, not benefiting from this economy. Like, why does California – you're in California, right? Why does California have 192 blue-collar licensing laws? So if someone's, if you're a 19-year-old girl who's been braiding your friend's hairs all your life, you need a license now to charge for that. But so how are you going to pay for the license? How are you going to go get the education to, to get the license? Like, it's just unfair that all the laws are basically against people who need to get jobs. And meanwhile, everyone else gets a free ride. Do you think Biden's going to do anything
5: about it or what? Do you think Biden will change it up?
3: No, he doesn't even he doesn't even know what he's doing. (laughs) What what do we know? What do we know about Biden's policies? We don't know anything. Okay, he's going to rejoin the Paris, Accords. Big deal. He's going to what else is he going to (laughs) do? We have no clue. Keep if Obamacare. What is going to do? Keep Obamacare. Yeah, yeah, he's going to do. He's going to do stuff with Obamacare. Uh, so, but as far as I know, Obamacare has been around, and people, some people use it, some people don't. What, what's he going to do differently?
5: <laughs> Good question.
3: Like this, uh, it's unclear. You know, he here's what he's going to do. He's going to do a bailout of the states. Okay, Trump. What, Trump. If if Trump got reelected. The next bailout would have been about a trillion and a half dollars. With Biden, the bailout's going to be between two and three trillion dollars. And that's fine. The only problem is, you know, don't give it to the states because the states know how to, how to burn it. They, they don't do anything with it. It's just corrupt. But he's going to give it to the states instead of directly to people, the people who need it.
1: Well, I noticed that. I was
6: going to ask you because I know as an economist, you probably... Analyzing all the things that are going on, there are efforts to pass an aid package. The the, the House representatives did pass one in October, but it was uh, not accepted by the Senate or the or the President. So, uh, what do these aid packages look like to you economically?
3: From so, both a lot of people a lot of people are worried if you do a two trillion dollar aid package. That's going to print up so much money. Essentially what has to happen is the U.S. has to borrow the money, and then our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren have to pay it back. So foreign governments lend us the money, and then our children will pay the children of the foreign government back in 30 years is how it works. And But everybody's worried there's going to be hyperinflation if there's so much money in the economy. But the good news is we've already... Theme. we've printed up $2 trillion or more, and there was no inflation at all. In fact, the thing that's keeping the federal, and this is what I hope Biden realizes, the thing that keeps the Federal Reserve awake at night is not inflation, but deflation. There's so much demand for the U.S. dollar that they cannot, everybody's trying to lend us money all around the world. Nobody wants to be in their own currencies. They want to be in the U.S. dollar. And so that prevents inflation. There's a a real danger of deflation, particularly now that we've changed our lifestyle. We're not spending as much money as a society right now because of these lockdowns and the pandemic. And then let's not forget, no matter how much bailout there is, there's hundreds of thousands of businesses going out of business now because of the economic lockdown. So it's a weird, a weird economy that has not, it's not up or down. It's like tilted on its side. The biggest companies in the world are doing great, like Amazon is doing great but small mom and pop companies are completely failing by by the dozens of thousands by the hundreds of thousands and so bailouts are only going to help them so much it's it's not necessarily going to be what people expect it's not going to be all of a sudden everyone's rich a certain number of people will get that money and that's it and then we'll see what happens i think it's going to be very unclear
6: and you see, we'll see what happens. It sounds kind of speculative, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, because no one's ever seen something like this before. I mean, here, here's the thing. There's a rule in poker. Always sit next to, always sit to the left of the weakest player on the table because the money tends to flow clockwise. Like, if, if the weakest player bets, you raise, you scare everyone off, and eventually all that player's money becomes your money. So when there's a bailout like this, it doesn't go to who you think it goes. It goes to the strongest players at the table. So whoever was making a lot of money before, they're going to even make more money now. And whoever th- wasn't making money or who, people who don't know how to make money or who lose money, they're going to they're think they have a bailout, but they're not, the money is going to quickly evaporate. And that, that goes for communities as well. Like there's a, there's Some communities are having so many people leave and so many jobs lost a bailout's not gonna help them anymore. A bailout's gonna go there and then instantly leave.
5: I'll tell you right now, people are gonna bail you know? out of Los Angeles because of what's going on. I mean, everybody is getting fed up with what's going on here in Los Angeles County. Now we're back on lockdown and people wanna get out. People are sick of this. And we're sick of Los Angeles anyways, and now we have reasons to leave. So watch I believe there's gonna be a mass exodus out of Los Angeles in the next year or two.
3: Yeah, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York City, to some extent Chicago, They're all, all of these first-tier cities, there's a huge flight right now out of them. And the cities that are benefiting, Miami, Denver, Phoenix, Nashville, Charlotte, even Philadelphia, the, uh, uh, Salt Lake City, Vegas, uh, Boulder, Vegas, Pittsburgh. So all these cities are going to do great. Pittsburgh, <laughs> all these cities are going to do great. Pittsburgh's a great little city. <laughs> I like Pittsburgh.
6: I know. You went to school
3: there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went to graduate school there. Got thrown out of graduate school
6: there. <laughs> and, then, and then stuck you around. Know, I saw you went front of email and You know, I went to school to right down the road at University of Pittsburgh. So we were kind of neighbors for a while. Yeah. Even though a few yeah, years for, apart.
5: Yeah. I don't think I, he I, was born. I don't, really I don't really think James was born yet, Judge.
6: Think, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with an aid package? What, what's going to ultimately become the law? Because I read a very interesting article the other day. Which I thought was fascinating. They're talking about, you know, the election in Georgia is January the 5th, and the yeah. winner, assuming one party wins both seats, is going to control the is going to control the Senate, and so they want to put on the best possible face because people are going to be voting in January. So they want an aid package. The Republicans want an aid package. The question is, according to this article. They're only willing to put up $500 billion, and the Democrats are at $2 trillion. Uh, where where right. do you see this going as an economist?
3: Well, I think the right thing to do is print as much money as possible and give it directly to people. So give a form of UBI, like a form of universal basic income, um, to as many people as possible. Do not bail out any more businesses. Do not bail out states. Do not bail out any government institutions or, or whatever. Just give money to people. It's, the, the big problem is, is that people, when you get a dollar bill, when you get paid a dollar, people just spend it on Amazon. So if I'm in New York City and I get a dollar, it leaves New York City and goes to Amazon now. We're addicted to Amazon as a culture. And municipalities need money. So give it to, if you give $2,000 to each person, Some things i will have to go to the grocery store and buy, to the deli and buy, to the newspaper stand and buy. We need to encourage people to spend more in their local community. Just bailing out companies or states, the money's never going to hit the community. And it's called called the velocity of money when people spend uh, in their local stores. Because then I'll buy a newspaper, the newspaper guy will buy a sandwich, the sandwich guy will buy... We're going to the laundromat. And so $1 has 3 to $5 of effect. But when you just bail out states or companies, the money disappears in their bank accounts or corruption or whatever. So I, I think they really need to focus on bailing out directly people. And the funny thing is I wrote, I wrote this to one of the top Trump officials during, around May when they were first considering a second stimulus. And he wrote back and said there won't be any incentive for people to work, which I thought was a, not a smart thing to say because $2,000 is not going to – no one's retiring on that. Like, it's not – people still want to work and, and make money and make more than $2,000, and they, they need it. So I hope that's what happens. I, I'm afraid what's going to happen with the, with right now is they're going to bail out states, and it's not going to help at all. New York State's $30 billion in the hole – and I, I suspect New York City needs about $100 billion to to avoid cutting uh, tens of thousands of jobs. And they're just not going to get it in any kind of bailout. So you might as well just do direct to people.
6: Well, they're saying a lot of people, they've never loved their jobs and they were not making a whole lot if they were going to get a couple of hundred dollars or more a month. Why work?
3: Yeah, but they, at least that's true, but at least they'll, it gives them time to find new jobs. They, people shouldn't like their jobs. There were 128 million workers in the United States in February, and 55 million of them, almost half of them, filed for unemployment during the lockdowns. So jobs were not loyal to people at all. People should have the the air a little bit to to figure out what they want to do with their lives and switch careers and switch interests and so on. They shouldn't go. The jobs weren't loyal to them. For 100 years, we were fooled into thinking that corporatism, corporations, would, would be were loyal to us, and we should be loyal to them. But it was just totally a lie, and that was revealed during, this, during these lockdowns. Everyone got fired. And all these PPP loans that went to corporations, I bet you very few of them actually bailed out, uh, actually paid their employees and and you know, did the things they were supposed to do. Most people were just laid off permanently. So I, I hope it does go direct to people. And then if they, if they don't want to go back to work, they'll figure out something new to do. Why should they go back to a, a job that just fired them?
6: What's the major ob- uh, objection from the Republicans uh, as to the bill that the Democrats offered that came out of the House of Representatives? What's the biggest objection?
3: The, the biggest objection is that why give why give money to the the governor of New York or the governor of California when all they do is spend it on nonsense and they're they're massively in debt they don't know how to run their own budget you can't give money to people who don't know how to you know take care of the money you have got to respect the money or it won't respect you so all the all the Democrats wanted to do and I'm not I'm not Democrat or Republican but the Democrats just wanted to give money to the states to, to patch up their budget so they can continue having really horrible fiscal policies, whereas the Republicans actually did want to just directly give it to, to people ultimately. Now, they didn't want to give as much. And the other objection is, when you print too much, you have to borrow too much. And again, it's our, it's our children and our children's children, or someone's going to ultimately have to pay that money back. And it's not going to be you or me, it's going to be our children. And, and that's the problem. The more, we, the more our children pay the children of the foreign lenders, the more the country is owned by everybody outside the U.S. and not the U.S. itself.
6: Which I guess is a good lead into to the next question, dealing with foreign policy. Uh, it appears that uh, we as a country are going to be less aggressive than the Trump Organization was, and they're going to rely a whole lot more on diplomacy he been dealing with countries like Iran. Uh, what, what do you see happening in the foreign policy world economically?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at, like, the difference between Obama and Trump. Obama's policy was, hey, everybody, let's let's all be friends, and friendship between countries increases prosperity. And Trump's policy was, hey, if you're not doing something for us, then... We're not going to do something for you. And so the question is, what leads to more prosperity? You have the situation with Iran where they were building nuclear weapons with the money we were giving them and claiming that they could easily bomb and wipe out Israel. So now you have these peace agreements between Israel and the UAE, Israel and Bahrain, Israel and Sudan. And, uh, you know, it seems like on foreign policy, at least in the Middle East, Things have been pretty good. There's no more ISIS or very little ISIS. Uh, all the stuff that was the headlines before Trump became president—you know, all the, you know, cutting off someone's head in, in Syria, all the beheadings from ISIS—all that's not in the news anymore. So that was good. China, you know, who knows? That seems so complicated. That I mean, the good thing about China is they have these disgusting, polluted factories with slave labor. And America loves that because that's why our iPhones are $1,000 instead of $3,000. Like Trump was always saying, oh, you know, China doesn't have to pay money for China's given a 10 year um, reprieve from the Paris Climate Accords. Why is that? Well, the reason is we don't want China to uh, reduce carbon emissions. We like their polluted, disgusting factories and and the fact that they're their employees are working so hard they're, they're practically jumping out the window every day we love that because it gives us a cheap iphones cheap pharmaceuticals cheap uh clothes our entire manufacturing is done in china so i don't know i don't i think it's a little bit it's a little bit of both like biden wants to be friends with everybody but that doesn't work out so well because then iran builds nuclear weapons and china raises tariffs on us and but you know, with Trump also, we don't we we want China to do work for us. We don't want to do it back here. Why, why do we want to make iPhones? iPhones will be $3,000 then. I like my $1,000 iPhone. And the, the Chinese are willing to do it. So let them do it.
6: What about Russia? What do you, what do you perceive? Russia,
3: every, everybody was making such a big So So Russia's agenda is to simply find all the old countries that they used to, that used to be the Soviet union and bring it under their wing again. That's, that's their main goal. They don't really, we don't, they're a tiny economy compared to us. Like we don't really have to care about them. I, China's the main country we have to care about. Russia is like insignificant at this point. Like everybody was thinking such a big deal about Russia. And like notice that every accusation ever made about from Trump to Biden and from Biden to Trump, none of it was true. Everybody was impeaching or, or calling the Justice Department or FBI, and there was Obamagate and, and Trump in the Ukraine. Not, it turned out nothing at all was true. Even Hunter Biden. Like, someone, someone said to me, can you believe Hunter Biden was having sex with crack in China? And I'm like, yeah, of course I can believe that. It would be much more odd if, like, a random bus driver was having sex with crack whores in, in China. But Biden, Hunter Biden was like the son of a vice president. He, he should be. That's what he should be doing. So none of this stuff mattered at all. And, uh, you know, none of it was all
6: smoke and mirrors.
5: we got a minute and a half, Judge.
6: Okay. I'm going to ask you the question. What do you think the vaccine is going to do?
5: We've got a to the minute.
3: A uh, everybody says the, the vaccine is going to save New York City. It's not. Already... Tens of thousands of businesses are out of business. It's too late to save those businesses. Taxes are going to go way down next year. It's too late to get those taxes back. Tens of thousands of city employees are going to be fired. Vaccine will help a little bit, but it's not going to bring any of these businesses back. And, again, all the first-tier cities are in trouble. New York City, number one.
6: Well, it's always refreshing to talk to you, James. This is our third conversation because we were once on a show together. Yes, New York, and that was great, but you are always very enlightening, and I hope you'll come back again, because I learn a lot every time I talk to you, so thanks very much. Every
3: time, Judge. Uh, Thank you so much.
6: Be well. you will.
3: All right. Take care, everybody. You too. Bye. Thank you.
2: Caa Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.
0: I'm Jessica Ettinger, CNBC. A winning week for stocks, and they've been in the green most of the day today.